to the next ADR chat. We're back with season two. And uh, today we are talking to Mika Holbrook. And she is a transformational coach, a leadership professional, and she's certified in cultural intelligence, which she's definitely going to tell us all about in a little bit. So let's say hello to Mika. Hello, Asha. How are you? I'm very good. How are you doing? Yeah, well, thank you. Well, good. We're matching outfit today. the black and white crew. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so Beaker's going to tell us a little bit, like I said, a little bit about cultural intelligence. Um, because when I first met Mika, I had no idea really what that meant. Sounded a little bit CIA-ish <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way. So um, she's going to tell us a little bit about that. But I think first, let's talk about potentially your journey, um, just as to maybe how you got into this. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel that I got into this really for personal and professional reasons alike. You know, there's so much that resonates with me. Uh, So myself and my family had lived abroad in a few different countries. And I had, I'm from the UK originally, I'm of mixed heritage, Uh, went to school in the Caribbean, uh, came back and lived in London for some time, then met my husband and moved to Montreal. Um, And then followed Montreal, then went to live in Japan. Returned from Japan in 2020 to the UK because of COVID, as I'm sure many people kind of returned home or back to their home countries during that time. And that was when I was introduced to cultural intelligence. And suddenly I was like, wow, there's this framework which suddenly makes sense of all these different experiences that I had that I just didn't have the language for, I didn't have the lexicon for, I wasn't able to fully describe it. And there was this this framework and everything just suddenly seemed to make sense. So that was how I kind of got into cultural intelligence. So Okay, so now I think you better tell us what cultural intelligence <laughs> is, because like I said, I was like, oh, what does that mean? Yeah, it's a really interesting one, because I think that many people kind of think, oh, I, I think I know what that means. And that's a kind of normal thing. And before I came into it, I thought, well, yeah, I, I think I'm pretty culturally intelligent. It's, it's natural, right? So I kind of like to think of it like it is, imagine emotional intelligence, um, so EQ, this is the cultural arm of EQ, because the way in which we interpret our own emotions and the way that we respond to the emotions of others is culturally bound, actually. So think of it as the cultural arm of EQ, hence EQ, because it's a cult- cultural quotient. OK, so for somebody who may not particularly understand even emotion, the emotional side, mm-hmm. what does that mean? In if you were in layman's terms, mm-hmm. like someone like me would be like, oh, are you working with the CIA? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's not CIA. <laughs> well, that would be quite exciting. <laughs> I think it would be as well. Um, yeah, so what does that mean in sort of layman's terms? Yeah, it means that you have the ability. So it's a capability for a start. You're not necessarily born with it. Um, so it's a capability to be able to engage with people who are different from you in very simple terms. Okay. And so I think that's really interesting because both of us have lived in pretty multicultural places. So mm-hmm. you, you, like you said, when you first heard about this, you thought you were culturally mm-hmm. intelligent. I think I'm culturally intelligent. We're both from, we're both from, um, not both from, but we're both in mixed marriages, let's say. Yes. So we have two different cultures there straight away that we are ingrained in. Yes. Um, but where does where do you see that this really comes up this this 
this area of cultural intelligence? Where do you think people need to use it? Is it in relationships? Is it at work? Is it in, you know, because you're living in another country? Mm. When I first did the cultural intelligence, uh, when I first was introduced to it, I think in my first learning, I really began to kind of translate that in my own personal relationship. And then that naturally begins to translate what that would mean for me when I'm at work. So it has a, it, you na- your thought process will naturally kind of get there anyway. I think what cultural intelligence is, is as much as obviously this is a capability which you will develop and you put intention in to learn to help you to better engage with people who are different from you or in diverse contexts, what it means is that quite often when we're engaging with somebody who's different from us, we think, oh, okay, I, I know, I, I know maybe what's about to happen. You don't really plan for those situations, and you just think, well, maybe that person will just accept me for as I am, and I'll accept that person for how they are. And I think that when you start understanding and learning and practicing your cultural intelligence and you're exercising that muscle, what ends up happening is that you have the ability to stop you stop your judgments that you might start forming naturally in your in your mind and that's going to influence the way that you actually engage and actually interact and respond to that person so okay so could you give me an example yeah absolutely let's just use a professional context as an example so you're leading a diverse team okay you are for the sake of argument let's just say that you're british and you're leading a diverse team and you're noticing for example that some people in your team are maybe not contributing to meetings the way that you want them to or possibly you have some people who want to finish one task at a time and uh but you have a natural tendency maybe as their as their manager or as their leader to kind of want them to do more than one task at a time and be able to multitask in a different way and you know feel that there'd be um that they would be very comfortable being interrupted you know maybe for example you'll have team members who attend meetings not always on time uh maybe you'll have team members who uh don't take initiative and they prefer to kind of hang back a bit and wait for you to tell them what it is that you want them to do all of those things which are not necessarily always visible diversity this is actually you know our cultural values of things which actually are happening very internally to us you know we can be from exactly the same place but have very very different cultural values but our using and exercising our cultural intelligence means that then you'll be able to say actually okay this is where I begin to recognize what your values are because you already know what your what their values are you know what yours are so actually it's gonna it crosses it begins to bridge that gap so rather than there being a, a thought process and then which kind of feeds into an existing potentially bias or stereotype that you have, you're able to say, actually, actually begin to understand that person's cultural identity, that person's value system, actually, and let me, let's see how we can somehow meet in the middle. What compromises do I need to make in my leadership style to be able to elicit the best of that person? So how do you teach that? Wow, that's a tricky one, isn't it? <laughs> Without giving away all your secrets <laughs> to us today. Not at all. Well, how do you teach us? Great question. You don't go on a cultural intelligence journey and come up culturally intelligent at the end of it. It's not, uh, you know, you don't kind of do a class or take an assessment and then at the end think, oh, absolutely, I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wish that was the case because I still make mistakes all the time. Um, I believe that it's something you, you do an assessment and the assessment's fabulous at really beginning to understand 
where you're at on the continuum line, you know, and as I said, it's developmental. So it places you within a, a certain range of scores within worldwide norms. And then from there, with intention, and obviously with you working, you know, within that framework, you're able to then increase your cultural intelligence. Once you've got to that stage and you know what number you're at, so mm-hmm. I'm at 50% of my cultural intelligence, how do I then learn how to become 100% or 90% or 98%? Is Are there courses? Are, you know, do you come in and say, right, in this, in this company, this is going to work because you have this percent culture, this percent culture, and, you know, you're the manager, you're the supervisor. Do you do it on an individual basis or do you go into a company and say, okay, these are your, these are the different cultures that you have. As a company, you should be doing this. Mm, I think it's, varies case by case I would say that I don't think there's one size fits all and everyone's very very different everyone's going to be at very different points on the journey as well which obviously you know an assessment would be able to identify and pinpoint so I think that it's a very case by case so one of the things that I do is coaching within the, the cultural intelligence framework. And that's really like a nice deep dive, especially in for leaders mm. to really understand, you know, what are their strengths? Where is it that they're really excelling and they're really leveraging the strengths of their teams versus what are the areas that we can develop a little bit? What are the times maybe when actually before we are speaking to maybe our remote team that we're leading that potentially is in a different country, what is it that I need to know about that team ahead of of maybe having that meeting that would actually really help for us to actually have the most productive meeting that we can do in the time that we have. Yeah, and I think somewhere like here does need that because we do mm-hmm. have, you know, whether it's, I don't know if the numbers have changed, but when I first arrived here, it was around 80% expat, but expat doesn't mean that you're a Westerner. Expat means that you're just not from here. So yeah. there are so many different cultures it's such a melting pot. And and I and one thing I will say, I'll, I'll give you a story here. Mm. So I worked um, uh, years back. I worked here. I won't say where. Um, <laughs> There's no name and shaming happening here. No, no, no. I won't say where. But, you know, my root is I'm, in, I'm Indian, right? Mm-hmm. So that's my culture. Mm-hmm. But I was born in the UK. I have a British passport. I'm I'm a Brit. If you can't hear from my voice, I'm, I am a Brit. Um, so it was interesting when I was working in this place and everybody was that we all got on, everything was great. And I think it was Indian Independence Day. And they were doing a huge show because that's how the team you know, is such a big company. And everybody that was Indian was doing this show and they wanted to show off that it was, um, you know, show off the, the food and you know, the dancing and the, anyway, so they were having this party and they were having this um, game that they were doing and they wanted to call people up from the audience. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in the audience. I hadn't been asked to get involved in India Independence Day. And I, I, I was quite busy at the time. So I just thought, well, you know, they probably think I was quite busy, whatever. Um, and then they said, right, we want to get people up on the stage, um, but we don't want anybody Indian. And then one of the guys came up and said, come on, Asha, like that. And I, and for the first time, I was like, oh, my goodness, like, I, I am, but I'm, I said, but I'm Indian, you know, I, I, was, I was actually taken aback. And he said, no, you've got a UK passport. And so what was, what I found at that point was that, even though my skin color is the same, 
even though I could probably speak the same language, anybody from in that particular environment from that was from India didn't actually see me as Indian because I held a UK passport. And I just found that fascinating. And culturally, I was almost, oh my God, I'm almost offended because I am Indian, my culture's Indian. But my Indian culture is obviously so far removed from what their Indian culture is that they don't see, even though I see that we're the same, they don't see that we're the same. Mm. And I just found that fascinating. Mm. I, I, I that got over my initial shock and I think I was wrapped in toilet roll or something. I can't remember what it was, what the game was, but I was wrapped in toilet roll. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was fascinating because in myself, of course, I would put myself in that same camp, but that camp doesn't see me as the same. How did that feel for you? Um, I, I was quite shocked because I was like, oh, wait a minute, I am Indian. Then I thought, oh, my God, am I not, am I, you know, not Indian enough? Do I not? Put, maybe I don't because I am a Brit, you know, I I am a Brit. I'm married to an Englishman. I'm. I'm. I was. I was born born in England. And yes, you know, I can cook Indian food. We celebrate all the different, you know, Indian events that happen. Um, but maybe I'm. Maybe I'm not. Maybe or I'm not seen to the real Indian. Mm, <laughs> I'm not the seen, real Indian. Yeah, you know, I'm not seen. I'm not seen as as one of them, which is absolutely fine. But for me, it was like, oh wow, it really made me think that my perception is totally different to my what I would say my my brother's um yeah. perception yeah so it didn't make me feel oh my god I was upset I was like I was upset I it just made me realize that what I see is so so different to what they see in me yeah and I think that what you've touched on is a really interesting point there because our cultural identities they're not defined in boundaries and I think especially when you work for long periods of time in different countries you know as I've lived and worked across four different countries now your cultural identity there, there is a shift that happens it's a very gentle shift and you may not necessarily be able to articulate it or notice it you know within the first few years but you, our identities are, and our value systems are not, they're not strict constructs which don't move and don't bend and don't flex. There is. And we change and we evolve and we grow, right? And I think that in that situation that you just shared, which has stayed with you, is this ability to see now that actually this, this cultural grouping that you felt that you belonged to and were accepted by possibly are seeing you now slightly differently. Now, what does that therefore mean for your sense of belonging and your sense of feeling included within that group? And I would say, and I would I would maybe, maybe challenge here, that as much as, yes, your, your cultural, your heritage is Indian, you're also shaped by the culture of being British. And you're also shaped by the culture of being a British Indian living and working in the UAE and what that means for you as well. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that because I, I I do feel, you know, my my parents came from Africa to England mm. and I would say they embraced the culture. They truly embraced it to an extent that we spoke English at home. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, we 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 did things that were that were seen that the, the culture that they'd entered entered into would see as acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's always been the case, and I and I and I think that's kind of within you know me being brought up. Um, that's kind of instilled in me that when you know when in Rome, right? It's that phrase, and I, and we've come here, and things are so different to England. However, eleven years on, we're still here. We embrace the differences and we work with the differences to the best to to make it the best place that that it can be. And and that's not just me as a as a British Indian. That's my husband, who's a an Englishman. Mm-hmm. You know. And then we've got a daughter who was born here. So her cultural reference is really only here unless we go home. Yes. And that I find, I think that she will have more cultural intelligence now than maybe we have had in our last 20 30 years mm-hmm. because she's been brought up in a place that how can I put it she's a Brit she's half Indian she's half English and she's brought up in a country that her parents were not brought up in mm-hmm. but then I feel like I I actually went through the same thing because mm-hmm. my parents I wasn't brought up in the same country my parents were born so <laughs> history repeating itself actually but, <laughs> but but isn't that to me that is such a wonderful explorative is that the word explorative universe to be in because I feel that if you are not surrounded by different cultures you can't not just develop your cultural intelligence you can't develop as a person mm. to go out into this world and be not accepted that's not the word but I do think accepted as well because I think that it's really important to have mm-hmm. an idea of what's going you know I could have sat at home in England and watched EastEnders and that would be my cultural reference yes yes you know yes absolutely and I think now even I'm going off on a tangent here but even things like Netflix mm-hmm. people are watching programs with subtitles or with um uh, the voiceover mm-hmm. um Korean shows, mm-hmm. Spanish shows, Absolutely. Nigerian shows. Yeah. You know, that we're all watching them because they're, they're of interest and we have access to it. Whereas 50, 60, 80 years ago, you didn't have access. Exactly. And we're in an incredibly, incredibly great position. But anyway, I am talking too much. This is about you. Not at all. And I think, I think all of your points are so valid. I think that as technology has just taken just huge leaps and advancements and we all know currently you know what's happening with with AI the fact is that you know in 20 years time there's actually and I know um this statistic actually comes out of America there's not actually going to be one dominant um one dominant race so in 20 years time the majority uh in terms of racial diversity is actually going to be of of mixed people who are of mixed heritages. And that's very, very interesting because, you know, just the, the advancement even in with travel. So developing our cultural intelligence is a necessary and quite critical skill for how we're going to be successful going forward. Absolutely. There's there's definitely no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> and we are. We are in it. <laughs> We are in it. We're living it. We, we, we're, we're, we're definitely living it in the UAE. The, the UAE is just an incredible place where I, I don't think I've ever lived anywhere that's been this mixed before. I mean, I spent years in London and thought, gosh, yeah, London is London's like a real melting pot, like nowhere even touched London. But I have lived um, following that. 
However, moving here, it's just staggering, actually, just how much uh, diversity is around us in terms of where people are from. Um, I, I think it's all, and I, I, I love it. I love being able to walk down the road and hear conversations that I don't understand, you know, but just really, just, you know, watching the body language and, you know, just picking up on the energy between people conversing with each other. And then, you know, you know, walk up just a few steps after that and hearing English spoken in various different accents and dialects <laughs> from around the world. You know, it's, there's, there's something incredibly special here in the UAE. Yeah, I, I... I'm with you on that. That's why we're here for so long. Um, so, okay, so we'll we'll move a little bit away from cultural intelligence, although it's kind of intertwined in everything that you do. Um, you also, you're a transformational coach. Yes. So first I'd probably get you to explain what that means and then just how that helps people. Mm. So coaching, I came into coaching a few years ago, realized I had, I, well, I thought that I had been doing it for a long time. But um, when you start becoming certified as a coach, you begin to realize, oh, actually, I thought I was, but actually, <laughs> there was so much more for me to learn. I, for me, I believe that being a transformational coach is actually quite a commitment to myself to constantly learn. I think that's what coaching is, because as you expand in your thinking and you're able to think about the way that you're thinking and challenge your own thinking you can then encourage other people to do that too and so and that piece the transformation comes in all sizes and in forms on all forms it doesn't look the same for me as it necessarily would do for you but the ability to be able to rethink the way that you're thinking um, can have a, a massive impact on the way that you make decisions, on the things you want for your life and the way that you move forward towards those goals. Is that for people who are going through a change I don't know, in the relationship or at work or suddenly they've got new responsibilities, they become a mum or, you know, are you doing it for everybody or... You know, is it some a specific industry? Sure. So I do do some life coaching. Yes, I'm a life coach and also do executive coaching with the cultural intelligence. For life coaching, I find that the people that I seem to attract are usually people that are going through some kind of transformational change. They're always people that are operating in a culture other from their own, which is always very, very interesting. So they're usually always people that are experiencing something new for the first time, really trying to to think about how they navigate this new culture. And when I say culture, and I mean that obviously throughout our entire conversation today, I'm not just talking ethnicity or nationality. A culture can be so many different things. It could be, you know, moving from one area, you know, in say the UK to another area, you're going to be experiencing a different culture. The, our generations, I think that we're from the same generation. We have a, a particular mindset, which may be have a common a commonality throughout many people within our generation in the way that Gen Z have a, a completely different one, you know? Um, so those are the people that usually tend to come to me, people who are operating in a different culture, people that are usually going through some kind of transition, people who have possibly started a new role um, with, within an organization, uh, people that are trying to navigate a conflict in some of their personal relationships as well. Those are the people that tend to come to me because what happens on the other side of that challenge is, with me anyway, I think my, my motto for coaching is I try to make uncomfortable conversations more comfortable. So asking the uncomfortable conversations. And it's in that asking 
and actually, you know, having that on there on the table in front of you and thinking, right, let's let's think through this because naturally we don't want to address those things which are really difficult for us. We want to kind of keep them, you know, on the side there, locked up in a little box and just hope that, I don't know, they'll, they'll go away. But addressing those fears, addressing what's there that we're ca- carrying around with us that influences so much about who we are, the way that we present ourselves, the way that we engage, the way more than anything that we make connections that's the part that I like to discuss and talk about and completely lay it all out on the table so that we're able to then say, okay, let's 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 let's, let's have a look over here and then let's move forward. Unco- making uncomfortable conversations comfortable. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That's a that's a great motto to have. And do you find that because I, I can imagine the kind of uncomfortable realization that somebody might have or how do you get it out of them? How do you how do you make them say that uncomfortable thing? I think it's all based in the connection. I think it's all based in the connection. I and it's also based in attention, connection and attention. Quite often when we're listening to somebody, we're listening and at the same time thinking about how we're going to respond. So you have that, right? You've been talking to somebody and they're sharing all this information with you. I mean, I have a habit, I'm not saying that I'm perfect by any means, I'm not a master of it. But we're listening to that person and either we want to share something about ourselves or we want to, we're thinking about our next question. And that unfortunately means we're not really actively listening in that very deep way to what that person is sharing. And that that piece there about listening without intention to respond, but with more intention of really engaging your curiosity will completely change the way that we're able to make connections with each other. That's really fascinating, actually. That is very fascinating because with somebody who's doing a podcast or a journalist (laughs) or a journalist who's writing, you know, has an interview for five minutes is constantly thinking about what the next question is. And I think a lot of these, and we discussed this before, but... You know, I have a couple of questions on here, but I prefer the conversation to flow mm-hmm. because you're you're getting the uncomfortable, maybe not uncomfortable, but you're getting real authentic conversation by just doing that. If I don't have a question, I have to think. <laughs> I have yeah. to think, right? Yeah. About what you've just said to me. Um, which I which I think is great, which is why just letting you all know. <laughs> I've only got four questions here, um, just to just to keep my memory going. But you know, I think that that that's a really listening is such a great point, and there are so in so in every single as a parent, as a a boss, as a teacher, as any of those things, the listening part is 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 crucial. And how do you? So you like to talk. I like to talk. We could be talking forever. Actually, <laughs> we've got long. <laughs> Um, but we, I, I do wonder in that instance, so we are all massively busy people, right? Yes. You know, like you said, there are some people who can only work at one task at a time. Mm-hmm. And there are some people who can multitask because they've had to learn that over their time. Yeah. You're, I'm flipping it around. You're saying that you listen to what the conversation is that you're having with that person and then try and sort of pull out what the uncomfortable part of that is. Yes when and and then you're you're teaching that as well right Mm -hmm. you're teaching these people the the, leaders or whoever it is that same skill how do you in 
the real world really do that when you have a five minute meeting with your employee mm-hmm. and they're not performing to the best of their ability. Yes. So it's a culture thing. Yeah. It's a, they've got a problem thing, but we've only got five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's a, I need to listen and I need to come up with a solution, but I also need to do these 500 things. Mm-hmm. Cause I know when I've been in a meeting with, especially nowadays, I've been in meetings with clients, bosses, whatever people are, are in the meeting, but they're also emailing because they haven't got enough time because they've got to go to another meeting after this. Absolutely. How do you, how would you suggest that people manage all of that? Yeah, I think leading people, leading yourself, self-leadership even, is about, it's about people ultimately. All business, making money, anything in this world, it all starts with a person. And each person is made up of a collection of, 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 of identities and value systems and, and thoughts and beliefs and a whole number of things. And yes, I think in this, in you know, in, in this world, yeah, we're under extreme time pressures, you know, and always with a task to be completed. So how do you get the best out of that person with, within five minutes? Honestly, some people, it's just, the truth of it is that it's not going to take five minutes. And it really depends on whether you're willing to make that commitment to say, actually, um, my responsibility, and really I think the primary responsibility of any leader is to ensure that they are developing and engaging the people that they lead. That has got to be the top priority. Because once you master that, then everything else will just flow. So it's put put the time in, in the places where it's going to give you the biggest payoff. And that's actually going to be in your people. Five minutes might not cut it, in all fairness. I, I wish there was a, a five-minute answer. But there are other answers. And if you can't do it, then, you know, maybe pay someone who can do it and kind of give that person the time to, you know, begin to work out their own path in their own, you know, self-leadership. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, you're right. It can't be done in five minutes. No. And that's an honest answer, actually, because there would be a lot of people that would say, well, you know, you can you can ask these questions and you probably will get an answer in five minutes. But you're right. It takes a long time for somebody to say that uncomfortable thing. It does, because it takes a long time to build trust. And I think people who are able to better understand themselves, people who are able to have high levels of cultural intelligence, emotional intelligence as well, because these are not siloed concepts, they're things which obviously work in tandem with other ones. Those people are able to elicit trust from other people easier. You know, and so as a leader, it's important for that person to trust you. Some people, it takes longer than it does with other people. So taking the time to build that trust and the connection, that's the crucial part for any interaction, whether that be business or otherwise, to be successful. So how do people get get hold of you? How do people contact you? How 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 would we find you? Through you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All the details will be at the bottom of the podcast, so don't worry about that. Um, so, yeah, do you have a website? And first of all, actually, to be honest, we haven't even mentioned the name of your business because you, you do many things. So what's the name of the business? My business is called In Element Coaching. The idea, obviously, being that you'll be coached into your element because when we're feeling out of our elements is often when we're kind of operating outside of our natural comfort zones. 
Wow. Kind of like, you know, when we think about culture, we think about, you know, fish and water. The fish doesn't know it's in water until it's out of water because it's so comfortable in there. And that's the thing about culture, isn't it? Culture is, is, is so, we know what it, we don't know what it is until we kind of almost step out of it. We don't realize how different the way that somebody else can think until we possibly go and visit somewhere where they're from. Then we have a completely different perspective and we're like, oh, we do things really differently where I'm from. So, and hence the reason this, this is all my thought process as I was naming my company. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, you know, for example, here in, in the UAE, obviously the UAE attracts a lot of international mm -hmm. talent, as you just said, mm -hmm. I think it's, I think the percentage is something like 87% expats, right? Um, it, it, it attracts a lot of foreign talents. Um, however, for anybody who's moving countries, anybody that's relocating, anybody that has had any experience in global mobility knows that there is a time when you, you potentially need to kind of just step back for a moment and observe, observe what's happening around you and just take a minute to understand then how, what that means for the way that you are going to step forward in this new venture. It's not automatic, it's not as automatic as I think people like to think that it is. Mm. So what would be your three tips then? Because the Abu Dhabi Review does three point reviews, right? Okay. So whether it's food, whether it's events, whatever it is. So we do three point reviews. So I love if you're happy to share, um, not your top three, could just be three points. <laughs> Don't want to give out, give away all your business. My list under here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll put you on the spot in this one because I'm not thinking of questions beforehand, oh, you see? Babe. I'm listening here. Actively listening. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, what would, you, what would be your three um, tips for people individuals to just be a little bit more culturally intelligent first tip one of the reasons why i love cultural intelligence is it doesn't place people in boxes okay it means it's a framework which we use which you can take with you throughout your lifetime it's like kind of putting something within your toolbox that you're going to take around with you and in the first step of becoming more culturally intelligent is when we start talking about our motivation for being, uh, our drive, our, and what we call it is actually our CQ drive. And so my first tip is really going to be about really digging in a bit deeper as to what your motivation is. What's your drive? Actually, what is your drive to live here in Abu Dhabi? Like, what, what would that be? Really beginning to unpack that a bit more. What... What is it that makes you think, actually, this is where I do feel to some extent that I belong, that I want to, I want to raise my child here. What are those motivating factors? What motivates you to engage with Abu Dhabi culture? My tip number two would be around how we plan and check on the way that we have had an engagement with somebody who is different from us, okay? So again, when I say this, I'm not just talking again, nationality or ethnicity, but kind of go away and reflect and think, hold on a second, is there a way that I could have planned for that better? You know, is there a way, as an example, that I was coming to see you today and I bought you Arabic sweets, right? Yeah. But 
was that maybe 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 it shouldn't have been Arabic sweets. Maybe I should have bought something that was more aligned with your background. Mm-hmm. And it should have been Indian sweets. Um, so I think the idea is for us to, because quite often when we're about to kind of walk into, it could be anything, whether you're delivering a presentation or whether you're having a one-on-one engagement with somebody who is different from you. What is it that you know about that person? What is it you know about the culture that they're from? What is it, you know, if I was beginning to have a conversation with somebody who was, 20 you know 25 years younger than me I would actually adjust the way that I spoke in order to be able to form a better connection with that person in the same way if I was having a conversation that was someone of a different ethnicity Mm -hmm. again looking at what it is that I need to know ahead of that situation that's going to make that engagement and building that trust easier tip three I'm thinking on my feet here I say um I would say the, the third one for somebody who wants to you know, actively develop their cultural intelligence, is actually spend some time reflecting on their own cultural identity. Because quite often, we, we, we don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. And it's not really until we have a, a deeper, more complete sense of who we are, can we really begin to engage with somebody else. So the third one, which probably is the most important one, because all change starts with, starts with yourself. You know, no matter what framework you're using, it all starts with you. It has to be something which is internal. And so beginning to understand yourself, beginning to understand where you're from, what privileges that's allowed you in your lifetime, because there's so many that we have, um, what that means for somebody who you're engaging with, because that it, that is where, that's the critical piece and really beginning to understand how you can better form those connections. So it's really in a self-reflective piece. Now, that's really hard to do. Like, this is no small thing. I sit there and kind of like write out five things and think, all oh, right, okay, I think I really get it. But because culture is something that we can't see, and it's something which we almost as an expectation sometimes that other people will just get it or that person will just get me. That might, that's really not very true. It's, that's not, that the accuracy is actually missing in that statement. Everybody comes into life and views life through their own cultural lenses. That's how we see things. How, you know, we both can sit here right now and look at an engagement that's happening over there and have two very different interpretations from that, just based on the differences of, of, of our cultural identities. So really beginning to unpack what yours are so that it can help you move them forward and how you then respond, engage and interact with someone else. Okay. Yeah. Three great tips there. There's actually a lot, a lot, a lot to do to even get to maybe the first step. Homework. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to finish this up. But um, if you all the details for Mika and her company and um, the, the her coaching and cultural intelligence, there's a lot. Um, it will all be underneath the podcast and within the social media um, handles as well. And we'll describe everything, everything that she does and you'll be able to get hold of her. She's based in Abu Dhabi. So it's even better. Um, so give her a shout if you are in that process of any transformational change because everything that she does I think is really intertwined so it's if you if you're going for a transformational coach you're probably getting a little bit of culture in there too right I I, I can't leave it out it's impossible (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you so much Mika Asha thank you you're so welcome and um, we will see you on the next ADR chat bye bye